the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. From policy to culture, principles to politics, this is The Seth Leibson Show. Well, welcome back. Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. I am Seth Leibson. Let me give you the phone number. It's 602-508-0960. 602-508-0960. Let me welcome back to the producer's chair my good friend, our good friend Jeremy. He's sitting in for Bill today. Bill will return tomorrow. Jeremy, welcome back. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Thanks for joining us. I understand we have a lot in common. You ran this morning and I ran this morning. Correct, sir. You're probably in less pain than I am. No, like we were saying, our backs both are hurting. (laughs) It it changes after 50, brother. It changes. You're not there yet, though, are you? No, you're not. I was speaking with some legal scholars over the weekend, and the conversation turned to what some of the worst Supreme Court decisions in history were. Of course, Dred Scott and then Plessy versus Ferguson. The first declared via the poison pen of Chief Justice Roger Taney that blacks, quote, had no rights, which the white man was bound to respect, close quote. The second decision, Plessy, that equal but separate public accommodations for black people showed, quote, no tendency to destroy the legal equality of the two races or reestablish a state of involuntary servitude, close quote. If you have heard of the separate but equal doctrine, that's where that comes from, plus E.V. Ferguson. There were important dissents in both of those cases, showing the opinions were not uniform or even uniform representations of the law or the mind in America. In Dred Scott, Justice McLean, in dissent, wrote, quote, some of the most, well, wrote some of the most beautiful words in law, quote, you may think that the black man is merely chattel, but he bears the impress of his maker and is amenable to the laws of God and man, and he is destined to an endless existence, close quote. In other words, this man is a man with a soul. He is a human being. In Plessy, Justice John Harlan, in dissent, wrote, quote, In view of the Constitution, in the eye of the law, there is in this country no superior, dominant, ruling class of citizens. There is no caste here. Our Constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. In respect of civil rights, all citizens are equal before the law. The humblest is the peer of the most powerful. The law regards man as man and takes no account of his surroundings or of his color when his civil rights, as guaranteed by the supreme law of the land, are involved. Close quote. Beautiful, no? That's where Martin Luther King got the notion of colorblindness, or at least the phrase, from uh, John Harlan's dissent in Plessy. If only the Supreme Court embraced those dissenting decisions or doctrines in the Brown versus Board of Education case, which did end the doctrine of separate but equal in education, but not along the lines of McLean or Harlan. Rather, as Harry Jaffa has written, 
Mr. Justice Harlan's dissenting opinion in Plessy that the Constitution was colorblind and that it did not countenance different and unequal classes of citizens was based upon a belief in the truth of the principle of equality in which the founders and Abraham Lincoln had so profoundly believed. But this belief had been buried by progressivism. On intellectual grounds, it has never been refuted and ought never to have been abandoned. There is not now and never has been any such differences between one human being and another human being, or whatever race or color, such that one is by nature the ruler of the other, as any human being is by nature the ruler of any dog or any horse. For this reason, legitimate political authority can arise only by the consent of the governed, and consent can never be given for any reason other than the equal protection of the rights of the governed. Hence, equal protection is the foundation of all constitutionalism, even apart from its specific inclusion in the Constitution itself. For more reasons than one, Justice Harlan's dissenting opinion ought to have been the opinion in the Court of 1896 in Plessy. Even more, it ought to have been the opinion of the Court in 1954 in Brown v. Board of Education, which he was referring to, which was founded on not what? Justice Harlan wrote, but modern psychology, more than natural rights, and certainly more than or maybe less than what Justice Harlan wrote in the Plessy case. Which brings me to what the Supreme Court heard oral arguments upon yesterday, which is whether colleges and universities such as Harvard and the University of North Carolina can use race as a criterion in granting admissions. The use of race as a criterion has led to an awfully odd and lopsided set of statistics for Harvard. Never mind the moral offense we shall get to in a moment. As Heather MacDonald writes it up, blacks have a 324% greater chance of admission to Harvard than similarly qualified whites, according to an uncontested analysis in the plaintiff's brief. Asians are penalized most of all, having a negligible negligible chance of admission compared with similarly situated blacks and a 16% lower chance of admission compared with similarly situated whites. If Harvard admitted students on a colorblind basis, it would be 43% Asian, 38.4% white, 7 tenths percent black, and 2.4% Hispanic. Instead, Harvard's undergraduates are 43.2% white, 18.7% Asian, 10.5% black, and 9.5% Hispanic. Those disparities have not budged over the years. And we sit here and wonder why there is still such racial resentment and animosity in this country. If only we could return to the notion that Thurgood Marshall argued in his brief in Brown versus Board of Education, the belief of Abraham Lincoln, the words and beliefs of Justices McLean and Harlan. Of course, it would require taking the words of the Declaration of Independence seriously, which would mean taking the issue of natural law and natural rights seriously. There are probably two members of the Supreme Court today who do, a few in the past who ever have, and so much more the shame. After Dred Scott, Lincoln would give a speech saying, quote, Our founders meant to set up a standard maxim for free society, which should be familiar to all and revered by all. Constantly look to, 
constantly labored for, and even though never perfectly attained, constantly approximated, and thereby constantly spreading and deepening its influence, and augmenting the happiness and value of life to all people of all color everywhere. The assertion that all men are created equal was of no practical use, Lincoln said, in effecting our separation from Great Britain, and it was placed in the Declaration not for that, but for future use. Its authors meant it to be, thank God, it is now proving itself to be a stumbling block to those who in aftertimes might seek to turn a free people back into the hateful paths of despotism. They knew the proneness of prosperity to breed tyrants, and they meant when such should reappear in this fair land and commence their vocation, they should find left for them at least one hard nut to crack, close quote. That hard nut being the Declaration of Independence. When we got to Brown versus Board, we got close. Thurgood Marshall's brief, I mentioned it earlier, he was counsel for the NAACP before he became a Supreme Court justice himself, and he argued in his brief before the Supreme Court that, quote, distinctions by race are so evil, so arbitrary, and so invidious that a state bound to guarantee the equal protection of the laws must not invoke them in any public sphere, close quote. The Supreme Court did not adopt or use that language or reasoning in Brown versus Board, unfortunately. And to this day, we still struggle over the issue of race and education admissions because we, or I should say the court, found the issue of diversity, whatever you can get that to mean, the issue of diversity as equally a compelling reason to use race as common sense and the natural law would argue, and as Lincoln and others argued. As the philosopher Carl Cohen put it, racial discrimination is wrong, no matter the color preferred. We begin to transcend racism when we stop the practice of every form of it, by every public body. Now, to give favor to males or females, or to whites or to blacks, or to persons of any color, is morally wrong because doing so is intrinsically unfair. Color, nationality, and sex are not attributes that entitle anyone to more or less of the good things in life or to any special favor or disfavor. When, in the past, whites or males did receive such preferences, that was deeply wrong. It is no less wrong now when the colors or sexes are reversed. One of the first cases to take up racial preferences and admissions was the Bakke case of 1978, UC Regents v. Bakke or Bakke v. Regents, depending at what level you look at it. In a brief before the court there, Alan Dershowitz, yes, that Alan Dershowitz, back in 1978, bless him, wrote this, quote, If an individual is denied admission to a state institution, even though he is better qualified than others who have been accepted, and if the denial is due to the fact that he is or is not a member of a particular racial or ethnic group, his personal and individual right to be free from discrimination has been infringed, close quote. Today, we live in a very different age and understanding of the use of race and discrimination. The most popular, the most well-paid, the most quoted expert on racism in America today, books galore, paid consultancies galore, media companies falling all over themselves to hire him galore, is Professor Ibrahim X. Kendi at Boston University. His central proposition is quite the reverse of all this. In his best-selling book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, he writes, quote, The only remedy to 
excuse me, the only remedy to racist discrimination is anti-racist discrimination. The only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. The only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination, close quote. And Joe Biden tells we Republicans were the party of George Wallace. He of segregation yesterday, segregation now, segregation forever. Some years ago, Justice Kennedy wrote this, quote, when the state assigns benefits on the basis of race, it engages in the offensive and demeaning assumption that beneficiaries of a particular race because of their race think alike, share the same political interests and will prefer the same candidates at the polls. Race based assignments embody stereotypes that treat individuals as the product of their race, evaluating their thoughts and efforts, their very worth as citizens, according to a criterion barred to the government by history and the Constitution. Close quote. Now you see why this quest for diversity is so very and patently absurd. It assumes race dictates thought. A notion I thought ended at Nuremberg. You want a quick and easy lesson on how race does not dictate thought? Here. Larry Elder and I have more in common than Chuck Schumer and I do. And it's kind of odd, isn't it? The diversity of Larry Elder's experience and thought is never sought under these racial categorizations. In fact, they try to define his race away from him with articles calling him the black face of white supremacy. So much for encouraging diversity. All of this is odious. All of it comes with the stench of eugenics and, as I say, that which I thought was buried at Nuremberg. We can continue to plague our society with racial resentment and racial consciousness. And if Harvard has its way, we will. Or we can finally recognize what isn't that new, but what Abraham Lincoln recognized about a year after the Dred Scott decision when he said, quote, in the founders enlightened belief. Nothing stamped with the divine image and likeness was sent into the world to be trodden on and degraded and embruted by its fellows. Our founders grasped not only the whole race of men then living, but they reached forward and seized upon the farthest of its posterity. They erected a beacon to guide their children and their children's children and the countless myriads who should inhabit the earth in other ages. Wise statesmen as they were, they knew that tendency of prosperity to breed tyrants, and so they established these self great excuse me, they established these great self evident truths that when in the distant future some man, some faction, some interest should set up the doctrine that none but rich men or none but white men were entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Their posterity would look up again to the Declaration of Independence and take courage to renew the battle which their fathers begin, so that truth and justice and mercy and all the humane and Christian virtues might not be extinguished from the land, so that no man would hereafter dare to limit and circumscribe the great principles on which the Temple of Liberty was being built. Close quote. Maybe, just maybe, the court will see yesterday's argument for what it was and finally come down with a doctrine based on what created us in the first place. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Joe Biden is the weakest president in modern history, and who knows who's pulling his strings behind the scene. It all adds up to economic chaos with inflation running rampant in America and a recession the Biden regime continues to deny. More than ever, it's time to think about putting a portion of your investments into gold or other precious metals with the only company I recommend, the Midas Gold Group. Why? While stocks and bonds are crashing down 20% since the beginning of the year, gold has held its value, protecting your wealth, savings, and investments. So I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to safeguard your savings and investments with precious metals, physical gold. You don't want to say, I wish I had. Find them online at MidasGoldGroup.com. That's MidasGoldGroup.com. Or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. 480-360-3000. They will sell you gold you can hold. I am... I am... Had uh, scratching my head over something I've I've kind of floated with y'all and uh, other interviews I've been doing on this side of the mic and on the other side of the mic for some weeks now, and it's this I I I do think we are going to be seeing a a big red tide on Tuesday a week from today I th- I think we're going to see Republicans sweeping, but. You look at these polls, they are so damn close. And I'll tell you, the one that I just, the one that is the constant and continued head-scratcher for me is the Fetterman race in Pennsylvania. Um, He obviously did such an awful job in the debate. You would have thought you would have seen huge surges for Dr. Oz. By the way, he's not gotten better. I saw an interview with him on uh, CNN with Don Lemon, of all people. And he's 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 just a mess and unable to answer questions about fracking or anything else. Inflation, uh, it's not gotten any better. And we all now know what the jig is over there. We know he has been helped by the media. We know that things are much worse than we were told. Why is that not moving more directly? Big news today, purportedly big news today, was that the libertarian candidate running in the U.S. Senate race uh, Mark Victor has withdrawn from the race and endorsed Blake Masters all to the good. I don't know if, you know, I, I, I have a lot of anger about this. I have to tell you, I have a lot of anger about Mark Victor doing this in the first place and pulling out today or last night, making the endorsement take a day or two for that news to get through and suffuse the population on the very last day that you can mail in your ballot. Now, you can obviously vote and you can obviously drop off your ballot at a collection box. But for those voting with, you know, the convenience of mailing their ballot, this news is a little late. And it makes one wonder what the ego trip was that was chugging along and taking a bite out of Blake's support all the way up till Halloween all the way up to a week before the election. So it is good news. I'm hoping it's good enough news, if that makes sense. We'll revisit all of this and take your call, 602-508-0960, and we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is time for our good friend, our great friend, John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website, grandcanyonplanning.com. He also has a radio show here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m., The Word on Wealth, and he brings us our culture and economy update. John, how are you today? Fantastic. Thank you, Seth. You betcha. What are you looking at today? What's interesting? What's got your eyebrows peaked? Well, we've got the Fed out there Yeah, we're, we're waiting to hear on. Yep. And uh, this is going to be a big, you know, uh, conversation to be had here when uh, Fed Chair Powell comes out and, and makes his announcement as to what the interest rate hike will be, which I think Wall Street is expecting 75 basis points again. Yeah. Uh, and there's, you know, talk back and forth whether or not this would be the last, you know, uh, raise of 75 basis points. Maybe the next raise in December would be a half of a percent or 50 basis points. And then moving into next year, maybe a quarter point for the next couple of months and then finalize in March. So if that is the case, again, I believe the market has all of that priced in already. Uh, but if the Fed comes out and says something that the market was not expecting, then it could be a pretty volatile day tomorrow. Okay. We, uh, yes, that, that is the news, is that Powell is going to announce probably a, a, a rate hike tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, and, which would take place in December, I think think if i'm not mistaken if he does announce it right yeah i yeah yeah i think it hits in yeah. december yeah um that having been said you know there's a this is a weird moment in the economy and john i don't know if you've if you've really gone through this um if we've gone through this in any time in recent memory where we have high inflation we have what now four consecutive quarters of increasing um fed rate right mm-hmm. yep and we have low employment but we have in some respects an underemployment with really high offers of wages yeah i you know i just saw something scanned by the tv of mcdonald's is offering uh, somewhere in the 20 dollars per hour for line workers yeah. i mean my gosh john what what is this telling you have we seen anything like this there's a lot going around meantime a good debate to be had as to whether we're in a a recessionary moment right now right uh, well, well, this is the, the challenge that I think a lot that the, the I threw a lot has, at you. I know, and also that companies have. Right, yeah. you're right, Seth. I mean, it is inflationary when uh, companies have to pay employees uh, eighteen, twenty dollars yeah. an hour yeah. to do jobs that maybe just a year ago they were paying minimum wage or even or the know, new minimum a, wage. A yeah, little, right, right, half of that, let's say. And so that's amazing that 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 is inflationary in itself. Right. Now, that's... it's it's not enough, though, for the employees because the inflation is putting such pressure on their wallets right. that even though they're getting higher pay, uh, pay has not kept up with that's inflation. Right. But right. of course, we've got this. Uh, it's going to change just as interest rates went up and inflation went up very quickly. Yeah. It doesn't go down as quickly, but it's going to come down. And the hope is, is at some point, and that's what I believe the Fed is trying to do. And again, I'm not an economist, uh, and I certainly would not be probably the person to be in charge of the Fed. But uh, my my belief is, is that the Fed is trying their best to bring this inflationary pressure down, which should bring the cost of things lower. Will it? I don't know. Because uh, oftentimes higher prices are very sticky. Yeah, you know it's very, very easy for prices to go up. Uh, that's right. But not that's very easy right. For them to that's come what. Down. That's right. So for those that are saying, well, they'll come down eventually, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I'm not so sure either. Yeah, you know? right. We the, the, we are it, seeing housing prices come down. We are seeing the housing prices. But the cost down. of that uh, that microwave or yeah. that oven or, or the that, lumber, you know, the lumber <laughs> yeah. or the uh, copper, in right. the, you know, the electrical wire right. or the 
the labor yeah. to build that house yeah. isn't coming down. Yeah. So what does that do? Oh, right? well, that, that reinforces. They, John, the other question, you know, we haven't talked a lot about the energy sector. It is interesting to me that the president continually berates them, the mm. energy oh, sector. The sector. Uh, yesterday talking yeah. about putting a, war, a windfall tax on them, wow. a wartime windfall tax on them. You know, this at a time when we're ideally wanting to be energy independent and encouraging their activity, this this can't be, again, both of us not being economists, but I think we can say this can't be good macroeconomic policy. It certainly wouldn't seem that way, no. right? We're, right? We're encouraging these companies uh, to not produce more. Right. We're encouraging these companies to not refine. Right. We're encouraging these companies to do all these things, and yet now they figure out a way to make profits right now, yeah. and that's that's bad too. <laughs> right. So how do we tax them more and punish these them These companies more? must yeah. be going crazy. They It'd be like be. working for a boss that tells you to do one thing and then yells at you because you did something that he told you to do. Yeah. Uh, this is unbelievable. And for them now to f- consider, and maybe they should say, you know what, rather than maybe returning some of that money back to you know, investors in yeah. forms of dividends. Yeah. Why don't you reinvest it back in the business yeah. and build refineries and pu- get it's more what oil? what they want to do. It's what they want to do. By the way, we should probably stipulate none of your employees have ever said that about you, and I certainly have never said that about my boss. Just <laughs> perfect. stipulate. All well, right, there you JD. go. All right, go All right check out our website, grandcanyonplanning.com, and uh, securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and CIPIC, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Bless you, sir. Thank, Thank you. you. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Are you concerned with stock market volatility right now? What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market? A portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like with no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose. And there is no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. Your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, and there are no fees. This is a secure collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate. Why refi? That's who's offering it. They are a due diligence approved firm, and you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10.25%. Just go to investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Investyrefi.com. Or give them a call at 888YREFI34. 888YREFI34. That's investyrefi.com or 888YREFI34. Make sure you tell them Seth sent you. Good guys. I know them well. Uh, This is really interesting. And um, it goes, again, to another piece of – another, what shall we call, piece of datum uh, as to what we might expect a week from today, what I think we're going to see a week from today. This is MSNBC reporting, okay? So you can imagine how much uh, pain – wringing of the hands, if not rending of the garments, it took them to report this. Despite political predictions in September that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis had made a huge mistake when he authorized the trafficking of mostly Venezuelan migrants to Martha's Vineyard using state money, two polls released this week, two. Um, Both uh, Hispanic American organizations, Telemundo and Futuro Media, show respectively both that DeSantis is winning the Latino vote in his run for re-election and that he is the most popular politician among Florida's Latino 
voters. Wow. Wow. You know, we've suffered through this issue again and again and again that we are warned, we conservatives, Republicans, or any common sense oriented person who wants to do something about illegal immigration, we are warned again and again that this is exactly how you lose the Hispanic vote. The Hispanic American population is growing and it is increasingly going to cost Republicans at the ballot when they speak up against or out against illegal immigration. I've never believed it to be true. Uh, I've always believed it to be a canard. And here you have the actual being proven, uh, uh, the actual proving that my theoretical point. You have the theoretical being proven by the actual. Ron DeSantis took so much heat for that. Now, take a step back. He is up for re-election. Interesting. Just take a step back. Who's going in big? Who are the big stars going in to support and do rallies with his Democratic Party opponent, Charlie Crist? There's a, there is one. His name is Joe Biden. He has uh, announced that he's going to Florida to help out Charlie Crist. What does that tell you? It tells you that Florida's a lost cause for the Democrats. Why does it tell you that? Joe Biden is not going to be popular in Florida. Why do we know that? Find me a state where there is a Democratic candidate in a close race that wants Joe Biden by his side. Find me a state across the country where there is a Democratic Party candidate who is asking for the president of the United States to come and campaign and win one for the Democratic Party or win this one for the Democratic Party. In fact, they are sending out I was going to use the word retreads. I don't know if that's entirely fair, but they're sending out the retired Democratic politicians. They're sending out Barack Obama. Barack Obama's coming to Phoenix. They're not sending Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not wanted. He is not welcome. Is this an elect is this election a referendum on him? You bet. You bet. Florida is obviously a lost cause for the Democrats because that's where they're, I guess, to soothe Charlie Crist's ego, perhaps, but probably more importantly, Joe Biden's ego. You know, he's been getting you see these questions here and there on the lawn and the tarmacs and in the in the cafeterias or whatever the restaurants he goes to coffee shops. Why is it he's asked, why is it you're not campaigning in Ohio? Why is it you're not campaigning here or there? And he 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 must have gone back to his advisors at some point and said, this is embarrassing. I need to be out on the campaign trail. Um, the part the Democrats running for office don't want him. They do not. Look at the close race here. Look at the close race here. Does Mark Kelly want does Katie Hobbs want him? I don't know if that's a close race. I don't I, I actually think the um, the the polls uh, uh, that show it a close race with Katie Hobbs. I, it's something is wrong with them. It, 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 this cannot possibly be true. I think Carrie Lake will be the biggest um, margin winner in Arizona's elections. I think a lot of the other races will be super close. I think Mark Victor should have really pulled out two weeks ago if he was pulling out today, the last day that you can mail your ballot. Um, it's, you know, it's comfort, but it's slightly cold comfort in an approaching winter. Um, it's good. Uh, believe me, it's better than not. But why, why now and not two weeks ago? Ego issue. The libertarians, real problems for the Republicans, real problems for the Republicans. I think it'll help. I hope it will help. But back to the, the, the DeSantis-Biden uh, 
the 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 Santis Biden fight, if it's a fight, I guess it is because DeSantis is fighting very hard against what the White House is trying to shove down Florida's throat, what the teachers unions have been trying to shove down Florida's throat, what the major corporations like Disney have been trying to shove down Florida's throat. And what Ron DeSantis has done is fought back. He has uh, fought back at every turn and especially on that illegal immigration issue, which Florida, by the way, was not a state itching for that fight. When we're talking illegal immigration in America and the states that were complaining mostly about the lack of federal protection, the lack of the feds doing their job, they were mostly Sunbelt states, weren't they? They were mostly Texas. They were mostly Arizona. Um, and then, of course, conservatives in, 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 in New Mexico and a little bit in Southern California, to the degree there are a few there. There are Orange County, what have you, but San Diego County. But um, but Florida wasn't really wasn't really looked at or talked about for, for, for on this issue. And Ron DeSantis put himself in it. And he did the right thing. And again, as even MSNBC acknowledges, people said, say goodbye and kiss goodbye to the Latino vote in Florida for Ron DeSantis, for the Republican Party. False, 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 false. I I think we need to move to a new time in our political thinking. Just along the lines of the new time I'm suggesting when it comes to race, racial preferences and affirmative action, we need to come to a point where we stop thinking that race dictates thought or race can dictate intellectual diversity or any other kind of groupthink diversity. We need to think that way, too, when it comes to politics. All of it. All of it. The race neutrality principle is a much clearer way to see things. It's a much more valuable way to say th- see things. And you know what it does at the end of the day, politically good or bad? You know what it does at the end of the day? It does the right thing by looking at humans as humans and Americans as Americans. And it's another way to stop the division in America. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. Little Stephen Bishop there for you. Doug is in Maricopa. Hello, Doug. Hi, Seth. How are what you? What a wonderful show today. Thank oh, you. Oh, I'm doing great. Good. Yeah. I, I listen. Even when I'm doing bad, I'm doing great. And when I'm feeling better, I'm disgusting. You know, so, <laughs> so, all in all, I'm doing fine. Good. Hey, quick thing here. You had a great discussion yet uh, yesterday, and, and uh, when you had the. Some uh, professor, I think, was talking about uh, basically forgetting about all the COVID excesses on the left. Okay. The, yeah. The terrible thing. Yeah. And I'd like to tie that today when to today when you were discussing about uh, changing the civil rights path. Sure. And I, I and basically it's this: you had a very nice person, I think, from Maricopa yesterday. Uh, who was talking to probably would be is just a fine, wonderful person. Yeah. And one of the last things he said was um, that we can maybe have the Republicans and Democrats compromise because we need to have that happen. I, of course, dropped my paintbrush and stood up and I and I about popped my cork because if you look at how we fell to the 
excesses of the West, how we lost every institution, how the bureaucracies have taken over and run rampant and, and taken over the democratic institutions. It's because, remember, Doug's rule is if you have six people running an institution um, and, and five are conservative and one is liberal, within 10 years it will all be liberal. It is because of that mindset. Yes. It's an opiate. Yes. It is an opiate on the right. Yes. Matter of fact, um, Metastas, I think his name is. Eric Metastas, yeah. A book written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he basically is saying a letter to the American church. He I said saw it's that. It's an opiate. Yeah. Right. It's an opiate yeah, in the American church. That's right. After 1994, you saw a series of Democrats changing parties to the Republican Party. Uh, there were several. Uh, Dick Armey, just a little before that, I believe. Uh, there was another guy, uh, Shelby, perhaps, Richard Shelby, Ben Knight, Horace Campbell, some big names. And that's my idea of compromise. Change your party, come join well, us. Well, yes, because if you ask someone now that 90, over 90% of all the laws in America are made by the unelected bureaucracy, and only 200 laws a year, about the same as 20 years ago, are done by democratically elected people. That's right. And how are you going to change that? The left will not compromise, so what they do is they don't compromise. They want 10% growth, and the Republicans say, well, we were going to ask for five. Uh, yeah, so that's we'll exactly compromise. right. I'm sorry it was a short segment, Doug. I love having you on. Anytime you want to call back, please do so. But that's absolutely right. Your principle reminds me of the old John O'Sullivan rule. He was an editor at National Review for many years. And that rule was any institution that is not avowedly conservative will become liberal. Uh, Bless you, sir. The great Steve Hayward coming up next. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.